Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickel. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, Freedom Nation, it's Jeff here once again, and welcome to another edition of the Freedom Nation podcast. And today, I've got Elizabeth Ice on. So I met Elizabeth a few months ago through a networking organization online, and we just hit it off so well. And also, uh, she really has an intriguing and interesting business that she went in, kind of, it was her freedom business that helped her get out, and she's helped others in the same process. So Elizabeth, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much, Jeff. I am thrilled to be here today. And we had a great time the first time around. So it, it was one of those ones where you're like, you get done and you go, God, I wish I'd have recorded that. It was great. But we'll have the same conversation again and, and go even deeper. So, you know, let's get started with your story. So how did you get to where you are today? Well, you know, I think my story is probably really similar to a lot of people's. Uh, you know, I got out of college, didn't know what I was going to do. Took a job. Actually, the reason I took my first job was because it came with an expense account and I got to travel. That was as sophisticated as I got. And, you know, and but I happened, it, it happened to be the insurance industry. And okay. that's not an industry people go, oh, wow, I want to be in the insurance industry you know, universally. But I ended up on the company side and I was in commercial risk underwriting, which was really fascinating. Every day was different. I was learning about so many different industries and businesses and what made a good one run well and what made a bad one have losses. And because insurance is just another way to kind of, in a sense, capitalize what's happening in your business and protect it from risk. So to make a long story short, I spent years, you know, working in several different commercial insurance companies and became a very senior executive at the at the end of the day, had wore every hat. You know, I was chief operating officer around a lot of things, did a lot in technology because I was one of those people that Hey, try this new thing out and to see if we can. It, it helps the business. And I was always, yeah, let's let's go for it. Not kind of a NIMBY kind of thing. And yeah, so I had this really broad experience and really enjoyed it. But I eventually said, you know, there's other things to do in the world. And I had an offer to join a startup. And <laughs> I realized after the fact that I was an entrepreneur. Yep, in corporate America. Because I took to why we that's why we get along so well because I did the same thing, 20, yeah. 22 years as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and what's about the same amount of time too. Yeah. So I I joined this startup that was focused on something that I was really interested in. It was it was it's frankly old news now, but twenty two years ago it was around what they call expertise location, using technology okay. to find expertise, and the idea really was to build call centers in the cloud. And to be able to, through technology, tap into expertise that was in large organizations that weren't necessarily frontline people, but had great expertise that, you know, if it could be harnessed in a way that wouldn't interfere with how they did their normal jobs, you know, could be monetized and bring value to clients. So I was really intrigued with this. And it was an idea, frankly, that was ahead of its time. Today, we know, we see kiosks, AI, all this stuff the kind of kind of kind of a web conversation we're having now 
all those things weren't possible 22 years ago. Yep. So that's how it got all kicked off. And I, I was working for that firm, which didn't succeed, which often happens with early stage companies. And then I worked for others and consulted for other early stage companies. And along the way, and this is, was really the start of the idea that gave me my freedom path um, beyond just leaving corporate. And I started to hire freelancers because I would get hired for a consulting gig, but maybe I didn't have expertise in a particular industry or they needed some extra skill that, you know, I was a more of a generalist and operating and execution person. So I was hiring freelancers to round myself out so I could deliver the full package to a client. And what ended up happening was my clients started to say, you know, that Jeff guy on your team is just the best. Can you find us a Jeff? And that's really how it started. <laughs> and I was a power user of the big platforms out there that, you know, are public companies today. But, you know, it really was hard because I was client. It would have to have my account on those platforms. To, and it, it just got kind of impossible. I was creating PDFs and all these kind of things. It was awkward. It wasn't systematic and efficient, which, you know, is kind of like, no, I don't like to do stuff that way. And what I discovered was I was really successful finding people on these platforms because of my background. It's organized. Okay. I run HR, even though I'm not an HR person. I you know, just done a lot of that stuff. So I could quickly sift through the people to find the good ones. And I and I realized that the other thing that was missing from those platforms was human interaction. Now right. my particular passion is small business. And that in, and that includes solopreneurs, frankly. And I, what I noticed about the big platforms, it was all do it yourself. Yeah. So you'd spend a ton of time looking for people. And if you weren't good at defining your needs or interviewing and that sort of thing, it was a huge loss of time. So I basically decided I was going to build a technology platform that would insert the human into the process. And that's what I did. And it, it, I was a tad naive. It was a much bigger project than I thought. But um, <laughs> we did results resourcing is the platform that I, I designed and I co-developed it. And today it is a matchmaking platform that is exclusively focused on freelance talent and we are, by choice, focused on solopreneurs and small and mid-sized businesses because, frankly, those are the businesses I care about that need the most help, that don't have a team behind them or expertise yeah. in HR. And I, given my background, I, I don't consider myself a business advisor, but I can kind of listen to what's going on to say, I think if this is the result you're looking for, these are the skills you need, here's where to find it. And so I think my background was perfectly suited to um, really helping clients think through their needs so they could hire freelancers that would make a difference in their business. Yeah. I'm speaking from someone who hires a lot of freelancers. It is a, I mean, it's a lot of work in a lot of cases because, you know, you don't know, you know, it's like, do I hire somebody overseas and is that going to end up costing me more money? Then if I just spend a little bit more money for someone that maybe English is their native language or they're a little bit more costly up front, but they might not be as costly over the long run if you basically are training somebody to do that and English isn't their first language. Well, you know, that's an excellent point. And, and frankly, another aspect of the platform is we were global in the beginning. Okay. And we found a lot of clients just underestimated what it would take to train somebody who, who's not mm -hmm. familiar with 
the business situation in the United States and perhaps isn't a native speaker or speaks English, but it's British English. And so we've ended up kind of geofencing the platform. So we focus on US and Canadian clients and our freelancers are US and Canadian. And it's really because our clients want people that speak English well and understand the business culture here and how business is done because it's different around the world. And so however brilliant people are in almost every country that I've ever, you know, engaged with, they don't know what it's like here. So their ability to take on work that goes beyond thought work, that goes beyond just task completion is more challenging. And there's time differences. So I think you raise, raise a really good point that it may cost more when you look at the hourly outlay. But if you really think about the time it's going to take to train somebody or monitor their work or check their work, or if you really want somebody to take that next, take the initiative to do something, say in a client outreach or, or a research project or whatever, you know, it's sometimes it's better to spend a little bit more because you get a more capable person that yeah. can bring real thinking to the task. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, and like I said, I think that's the, in the end, it's, you got to look past the hourly rate and look at how long is it going to take to finish that project? How much work am I, am I putting myself into a situation where I'm still doing a ton of work because I'm having to teach them what I want and how I want it and what it's going to look like on the end product and everything else. Whereas yeah. I can pay more and get a little bit more, you know, talent up front. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, but I, in the United States, I I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm just going to get an intern. And yeah. really, the same issues really apply there. I mean, however bright and willing they are, they don't have business experience. No. And so, you're going to teach them all this stuff, and you and it's probably not the career they want, so they're going to leave. Yeah. And so, while it's, the cost is lower going in, all in. Well, it, but the funny part is, so I've hired a ton of interns over the years because we, we work with one of the local colleges. And so, and if you get, you know, from, if they come from a college, the college, you know, if they're going to get credit and everything else, they usually will come with a list of this is what, and if you read that list, you can't just let them go willy nilly do their own thing. They have to be, it is required by law that is they're supervised and everything else. So you're putting yourself in for a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, for that free intern that you're getting, or that really low paid intern that you're getting, you you have to be doing a ton of work, and you can't just dump them out there and say, "Okay, here's a project, get it done," or "Go get me coffee." No, the whole purpose of it is for them to learn. Yeah, and I think that that the purpose, if you have to be committed to that purpose, it's not yeah. necessarily purely to benefit your business. Being really want to help kids learn, and and that, that's really valuable too. Yeah, that's just cheap labor for you. (laughs) You know, if somebody is sitting out there, so let's talk a little bit about the freelancer side of the business first. So if there's somebody out there and maybe they're a cubicle warrior, they're getting up, going to work every day, dying just a little bit every day in that cubicle, (laughs) and they start looking at, well, could I have a career as a freelancer? Could you talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to be a freelancer, the types of people you're hiring? Or you're helping to hire through the process. Sure. And I think your question is really timely, especially, you know, with COVID and work from home. I think more and more people, frankly, have at least started side hustles. 
yeah. trying things out, which I actually think is a great first step as, as a side hustle. Because what I find about, and I love your phrase, cubicle warrior, <laughs> what I find with cubicle warriors, particularly ones that have had more senior positions, is they decide to leave corporate America <laughs> and they think they have these amazing abilities, but they have never run a business. They have never done client development. They're used to getting an assignment from a boss and there's just a whole, it's a whole new world and they're used to being in corporate, a corporate structure. So I think that's a, a right. big thing people need to think about. And I think the side hustle route is a great way to start because you still have your income and you can test out your ideas. The other thing that I think is great tool for people that want to do that is to go to the platforms. There's tons of them. I mean, there's the big name ones like Upwork and Fiverr and you can do a lot of research just by going on those and typing in the skill you want to offer. And you'll see who else is doing it, how they describe, you know, maybe there's reviews and things like that. You can see pricing. There's so much available to you to really check it out and, and see how people are packaging their services. So I think that's really important. And I would say, I would point people probably towards platforms like Upwork and, and there's many other, freelancer.com, guru.com. I mean, there's a lot. And I don't have a bias. It's whatever people want. But I mean, the average project value on a Fiverr is like $230. Yeah. And so you're not going to get a really lucrative role there. And whether you're on the, a Fiverr or an Upwork, it's really competitive. I mean, people people who've been freelancing a long time are working, yeah. you know, have built a business. So you're going to compete against that. So I think that it's just having your eyes open and the more you can test it out with a side hustle and or to partner with somebody whose skills you complement, that's a good strategy too. Interesting. So those are just a couple of ideas because at the end of the day, whether you're talking about an enterprise that's hiring through these platforms or you're talking about small business, they don't want somebody that's trying it out. They want yeah. somebody that's got skills that they can rely on. And so that's really... There's a commitment level when you're really yeah. hiring yourself out. I mean, if it's for a project, that's one thing. That's got a start and an end. But a lot of a lot of businesses are thinking about, frankly, a hybrid workforce. It's a solopreneur hiring someone that's going to be their partner as a virtual assistant or an executive assistant, a social media admin, stuff like that. They want that person to learn their brand, their offering, and to stick around. Yeah. I mean, I always say my main virtual assistant Monica, I mean, her and I, it's a partnership. You know, I mean, yes, she works for me, but basically I let her run completely the the social media side of our podcast and everything else. And it it is our podcast, not my podcast at that point. But that was, you know, that was years of trust building. I mean, we worked together for almost three years now, and that's been years of trust building, and we built this brand together. Yeah, she's obsessive about listening to podcasts, so she's always bringing ideas to the table. You don't find that always, you know. You've got to find that special person, and she had, frankly, zero experience starting with me. But she's just one of those people that actually can just get the ball going and figure it out. You know, I pay her well for where she you know, where she lives, but in comparison, I would pay a fortune here if I was hiring somebody to do that. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've done exactly the right thing, invested in a, in a person. It took time. Weeding through a lot of wheat for the chaff at that point. <laughs> so let, let's switch gears now and, and talk about 
the business owner side of this, you know, let's say I'm a solopreneur or I've got a small business. What, you know, what is that process for hiring a freelancer and figuring out where they fit into my organization? Well, I think the most important thing for the business owner, solopreneur, small business is probably two things. One is recognizing the value of time. Every hour, I mean, if you say your hourly rate is for just sake of conversation, $150 an hour, then Mm -hmm. every hour you spend, if it's on a client thing or something that generates value for the business is well spent. But if you're spending it entering information into your CRM, you know, or doing your own tech support work or whatever it might be, you know, that's, that's an opportunity cost. That's, that's costing you $150 that, that isn't generating revenue for your business. So I think I really like clients to think about what the value of time is because it's going to help them better decide what the work they should do. And then the, the second part of that is, and I say this often, every business has a back room. Solopreneur, small business, there is stuff that you need to do that no client's going to pay, pay you to do, but it's necessary to run a business. And that's really where to look. Because if you start tackling that stuff, that starts the freedom path. Yeah. I mean, whether, I mean, we, we've done this little value of time, ROI of time survey that we, we send out to people that are inquire about working with us. And it, it's really simple. It starts with what's an hour of your time worth? How many hours a week do you work? And then what percentage of that work week is spent delivering client value? And it calculates a, a number. And of all the people that have taken this survey, the average is 47% of the work week is spent on client generating, about revenue generating yeah. client work. So the majority is on the back end, but people don't realize it because it's a couple hours here or there. And yeah. you know, so the second part of the survey is, well, all right, how many hours do you spend on invoicing, on frankly, writing copy. If you're not a copywriter, that's not a that's not core to your business. It's a support task. So we go through a bunch of things and it calculates another number. And that's that's when people say, oh, I can't afford it. They're not thinking about the value of their time because that the hourly rate times the hours they're spending on the non-core work of their firm, if they can convert even a portion of those hours to value generating work, that pays for that freelancer. Now, of course, there's a leap of faith and it yeah. takes a little time to get up and running. But yeah, it's proven time and time again that, you know, look at that back room and and that's probably also the stuff you don't really like to do. And the cool thing about freelancers is you find the freelancer that loves to do what you don't love yeah. to do. And, and are matching heaven. markedly better at it than you'll ever be in your life. <laughs> yeah. Although we as entrepreneurs always seem to think that we're, you know, we could do anything and we're good at it. Yeah, Most of the time we suck at most of that stuff. <laughs> I look at it from my own podcast, you know, yeah. I mean, for the longest time, the podcast didn't make any money, but you know, and so, okay, I'm spending my time doing this. And the beginning, it was like, okay, well, I'll just do the podcast and then I'll do the editing and then I'll have, I'll do the social media stuff and all that. And the, the best thing that I ever did was hire Monica first off, who really took charge of the podcast. I have a team that does the social media side of it on part of it. I have a team that actually goes in, does the editing of the the audio podcasts, and they post those and all that stuff. And I'm, I look at it and I'm like, okay, maybe I spend a thousand bucks a month total across the board. 
but all I have to be is the dancing monkey out in front. I mean, that's <laughs> it. The one thing that I can't do, and maybe AI will do it for me, is I can, you know, pay AI or I can create AI to do the interviews too. But I mean, this is the one thing I have to do. And it's the one thing I love about it. And I despise every other piece of it when it comes to it. So I totally agree with you. Any advice for choosing that right person? Well, I think what it boils down to in terms of picking the right person is being really clear about what you need and your expectations. Yeah. Is you need to start, that's kind of your baseline. If you haven't done yeah. that, you're going to be swayed by whoever you're talking to. Yeah. So I think it's really important to have that baseline built. And I think that's going to point you in the right direction. And then, you know, it's it's hard to define work style or culture, but you need to like the person. And, you know, there, there's got to be some chemistry there too. But it's yeah. got to start with the skills. I mean, I think a lot of people actually start because they mention to their buddies, I need a VA. And they say, oh, well, I know this person. And what they operate on is the trust between the two buddies, as opposed to, I mean, your buddy doesn't know what your business needs unless they're deeply involved in it. So it's, you know, that's another fishing expedition, frankly. And it's it's a lot of yeah. time spent interviewing people that your friends with the best of intentions point your way. But I think that that's actually another drain, you know, on the yeah. time you spend. I mean, very well attention, but, you know, it often doesn't work out. And would you recommend, I mean, I, I remember reading the four hour work week and, you know, one of the things that Tim Ferriss recommended in there is even just running a small test. Yeah. Okay. Here's a task or a thing that needs to get done. Run that small test and see how that person performs. Yeah. I did that with some short term. I, I did some short videos for YouTube and I basically put a job out on Upwork and said, Hey, I need a, a good video editor. And I gave each of them a separate video. So I knew I would get all these videos done and I wanted them to see, okay, did they go in and did they look at like my style and everything else? And, you know, some of them completed the task like super fast and it was complete garbage. And then some of them took forever and it was like the most beautiful video ever, but it's like, okay, I, we do, we, we do like video a day here. So I, I do need somebody that can you know be a volume person. And that was how I found my video editor was that they, she was like kind of the, the perfect in between of all of that. She got the project done quickly and good enough that it looked professional, but it wasn't, you know, oh my God, a three at six hour project that it took or 10 hour project for a, a four minute video. Well, I, th I think that's a superb idea. And yeah. what emerged, for, as you told the story, was the fact that probably requirements that you didn't even know you had emerged. Yep. And the thing with the freelancers is, is they're going to do the best job they can based on their skill set and their orientation. Well, and yeah. so if you have someone that's geared towards perfection, that's they're not going to be able to let go of that project until it's perfect. But it's, you know, that's the kind of thing of setting expectations that, Hey, so this needs to be volume. You want quality, but you don't want you don't want it to take too many hours. That kind of thing. So I think the, I think the test idea is good. And the only thing I would say, and it didn't wasn't obvious from what you said, but I suspect that you paid each one of these people. Oh yeah. Sometimes people oh, yeah. go into this thinking, oh, I want a free trial. 
Yeah, no. Well, that no. person's earning a living, feeding a yeah. family, whatever it is, and and they don't feel they don't feel valued when you expect them to put work in to see if they're going to get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, so, no, no, no. But there there are people actually that that do that, and it's I oh, just I'm sure there is, and I just sorry, you know, one if you're not willing to put money up, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be trying to hire somebody. Yeah, and you know, you need to value their time. Just as much as you value your time, you should value their time, and they're a business person as well. Yeah, and no, I don't, I don't fall for that at all. But uh, you know, one of those things where I basically said, okay, here's the, here's the project scope, here's the amount of time allotted for that. If you need more, reach out to me, and then here's you know whatever price they came at me with of their proposal of you know it was ten dollars an hour, twelve dollars an hour, fifteen dollars an hour. Okay, fine. I mean, that's your that's your price. I'm willing to try it. And like I said, I thought it was a. I've done this three or four times, and I thought it worked really well in those cases. You know, and that I think you did a good job. Yeah, kudos. Perfect. <laughs> what else is new in your world that you're working on? Well, you know, I wouldn't say anything's brand new, but you know, within the last year, we've rolled out a bunch of jobs that we call on-demand jobs. So when we first launched our platform, I was really doing what we called custom recruiting. So we would work with a client to build a job description, and then we would go find, vet, interview, and curate choices for them. So they would get a talent pool of three freelancers that we felt were a really good match for what they needed. And it took probably a minimum of three weeks. And it, and that, not that it took us that long, but it took time for the word to get out. Because we're, we not only have jobs on our platform that we post, we also post to LinkedIn. We are LinkedIn recruiters. Okay. So we have access to pretty much anyone in the world, even though we're focused on the US and Canada, that's interested in contract work. So we have a huge supply chain, depending on what people are looking for. But you know they don't apply right away. The busy, the good ones are busy. So yes. you know it takes a little time for us to, we have methods for reaching out and getting people to respond. But so, so people like that, but they basically came back for jobs like a virtual assistant, an executive assistant, social yeah. media support, bookkeeping, some project management, handful of, uh, we have like eight jobs like that, that they said, you know, we don't really need custom. It's a very well-defined role, but we need somebody that's competent, reliable, nice, and I want it now. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm kind of go, okay, well, no I was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we guarantee our matches for the first 30 days. You know, how do I, in good conscience, you know, give them somebody that I'm going to guarantee is a good match with, without the whole process we go through, you know, which is both automation, algorithms, automate AI, you know, as in the human intervention. So essentially, the way we solved that problem was pre vetting a bunch of people. So we have, they're all contractors. They're not our temp workers or anything like that. But we have pre-vetted virtual assistant teams. And frankly, they're small companies. They, okay. You know, they, I mean, probably the largest one is a VA that has a, t- a team of, of 12. Some are employees yeah. and some are other contractors that she regularly works with. But we have a bunch of people like that we built relationships with. So we have basically a collaboration agreement that if I basically say, hey, Jeff wants this work done. And our work tends to be ongoing, that project. But here's a project from Jeff. 
and they see who you are, your LinkedIn profile, whatever, they see the job description. And basically, I basically put it out to the people that I think are best suited to do your job. One will mm-hmm. say, or multiple will say, okay, I'm in, I'm, I've got the capacity, the skills to, to do that. But they've agreed basically to a certain rate structure. So I, I have a predictable structure to the client. And they agree, they've agreed to be up and running with a first phone call with the client within t- 24 to 48 hours. That's awesome. Well, and I think that's the key too is working with, I've, I've started to learn that more. You know, you've got the individual freelancers that are out there and then you've got these little small VA companies Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the the difference there is now you have a team so that if your one VA flakes on you or decides that they got a job someplace else, you know, boom, all of a sudden they're gone versus having a team that understands, okay, yeah, this is the client and we're here to support them. And if somebody goes on vacation, you always got that person that's the yeah, backup. And, and, and they're business owners. So they know what it's like to be a small business owner. Yep. And I mean, people do. They get COVID. Somebody gets cancer in their family. I mean, things are can be unpredictable in life, and so you've you've got redundancy by by yeah. having having that person. So, and I th- just think that that entrepreneurial spirit of running a business is they can relate to the small business clients that they're serving. Yeah. And the other thing I like about these firms is they're committed to a business. They're uh-huh. not looking to be your employee. They don't yeah. want to get another job. They want to run their business. And I think that's a big difference because sometimes you you hire an individual and then six months later, you know, somebody offers them a little bit more money or, you know, they decide they don't really like being an independent worker anymore and they go back to work and then you're left in the lurch. And so yeah. those are ways to kind of protect against that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, and like I said, they're a small business owner too. So they're going to understand the need to be more efficient in the long yep. run. One other thing I, I would mention, since you were talking about the small firms, is a lot of them come and expect you to sign a subscription or a retainer certain amount of time a month. And they do that, frankly, because they don't have automation. And so we don't have to do that. So yeah. there's, no, there's no minimum retainer to working with our on-demand resources. We basically charge a one-hour job deposit and then you use- okay the time you need. And to me, it just boils down to courtesy and communication. Like, you know, if, if, if you hired me, Jeff, I would, you and I would be talking about what does next week look like? And maybe you don't need me next week. You're going on vacation. Fine. I can plan. I can work with the other clients. So, uh, you know, because a lot of people, they don't know how many hours they need. And it, it's, it's claustrophobic to have to commit to a $1,500 retainer or X hours yeah. a week. And then, then you end up filling the time just like you would an employee. And it's like the, you lost the flexibility. I think of it as, you know, you're starting to dump a bunch of crap that you probably should have just taken off your plate, period. Exactly. You know, I, I use an acronym of IDEA. So identify what needs to be done, delegate what you can, eliminate what you can, automate what you can, and then anything else that's left over, you should be doing <laughs> at that point. And that's that's what I've worked off of for years. And, you know, it's like, why are you doing this task? Well, because we've always done it. Why? What's the purpose of doing this? No. I had a great boss when I was with Fidelity that you would come to him and say, well, we need to get this done. Okay, well, why aren't you getting it done? Well, because they told us we couldn't do it. Who's they? Let's go talk to they and let's get that out of here because we don't need to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. And I like the acronym idea. That's good. Yeah. 
Well, great. Well, let's change gears here and talk about the fast five questions now. You ready? All right. All right. So first question, you wake up in the morning, business is totally gone. You have 500 bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live, food and drink. What are you going to do first? Oh, let's see. First, I'm going to feed my cats. (laughs) Okay. Good answer. Yeah. They they are not going to allow much to happen without feeding. Yeah, my- if yours are like mine is, he he pretty much doesn't let us get out of the house yep, without feeding. For so. sure, maybe because I of everything you just described, I I might I might exercise <laughs> or go. I'd go for a walk to get a bagel, a New York City bagel mm-hmm. for sure. There you go. But then, honestly, at this point, given what's happened, I'd start again. Okay. I I mean I love what I do. I mean I it's really fulfilling. I often say that my purpose is to empower the purpose of others. I mean I I like deploying everything that I've done in my professional life to help other people move ahead faster and and scale their businesses and so they have freedom and uh-huh. they have the impact they want in their families, their business community, their just general community. So I, I would probably just start again. I mean, maybe I wouldn't build a platform a second time because that was a big endeavor, but um, yeah, I'd start again. I love it. All right. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? You know, this. I don't want this to sound smug because it's not, but I, I don't think of them as making big business mistakes. I mean, certainly I've made mistakes, yeah. but I've also learned a lot every single time I misjudged something or, you know, I could have done a better job or something like that. I prefer to think about it as, you know, it, it's all part of the evolution of, yeah. of, of leadership and thinking about operations and running things, working with clients, whatever it is. So I think the biggest thing is to be humble and admit when something didn't work. But yeah. at the end, end of the day, you know, don't beat yourself up on it. You did the best you could, presuming yeah. that you did do the best you could and just move on from there, you know, just put that in your backpack and say, okay, you know, I'm going to do it differently next time. So yeah, I, I just, I think if you don't make mistakes, if you try to be, be trying to be purpose is a mistake. Purpose, perfect no. is the mistake. I mean, it just, it isn't real. I mean, and, and yeah. you know, life is all about context and what's going on, not, not to, even just for you, but in your life, Jeff, you know, it's just like, I'd be thinking about your life if we're talking about working together. And yeah. so I, I just think that, I think it's important just to think about things that don't go wrong is, you know, all right, how, how do I use that to do something different, have a better impact next time? Great answer. <laughs> What's a good book that you'd recommend for our audience? Well, I've got one that many people probably haven't heard of. And okay. it's called Thank You for Being Late. And the the subtitle is An Optimist Guide to thinking in the age of acceleration. So it's a mouthful. Yeah. And it was written in 2016. Have you heard of it? No, first time. Okay. Well, it's written by Thomas L. Friedman, and he's actually a, a columnist in probably a, a few newspapers. And he's also a Middle East uh, and politics uh, expert. Yeah. And it's just a really interesting story. The title came about because somebody was late to lunch. And he had an extra half hour and a napkin and a pen in front of him. And he started to jot ideas down and out of the book. But what I really like about it and why I think it's good for the freedom audience is, first of all, the book talks about entrepreneurship. 
And he ultimately says the ideal, well, ideal is the wrong word, but the best entrepreneur is Mother Nature. Because right. Mother Nature is constantly just dealing with life and what's happening. Yeah. No judgment. I mean, whatever you think about whatever's going on in the world, Mother Nature just adjusts. We may not like the adjustments that Mother Nature makes, but you yeah. know, Mother Nature is just doing what Mother Nature needs to do. So there's a number of chapters that talk about that, which I think is just a really, just a good lesson about entrepreneurship. Yeah. You can't control things that are happening around you, but what can you do about it and, and move forward? And the second thing I really like about it, and this is really particular to my business, is there's a, a chapter in there where he's interviewing this guy called Astro Teller of Google. And there's a chart that I love. And basically it shows, he's talking about technology. And it's a chart where it shows the, the rate of acceleration of technology, yeah. which he talks about is artificial intelligence. So this is so timely to what's happening today. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really hockey stick kind of line. And over the over years, it's just been this really steep curve. And then it shows, and what's the ability of human beings to adapt to technology, to adopt it? (laughs) It's not a flat line, but it's you know it's 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 a much lower um, grade. A little bit more herky jerky in that process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and what he says is that if that steep line is artificial intelligence or and technology, then the gap is what he says, that's the opposite when you need intelligent assistance, which can only be provided by human beings. Hmm. And, and I think it's so timely for these days because when you hear about chat GPT and how people are using it blindly, that's, that's, that's really ignoring the power of, of AI, but it still requires yeah. a human to look at and does, this, does it pass the reasonable test? You know, are the facts right? Yeah. And so I think it sets humans up for success faster because you can get a ton of data. You don't have to do a Google search. It's going to put it all together for you. Yeah. But now a human needs to apply it. So I just sure. love that analogy because, frankly, it inspired my platform. That's what we do by inserting humans into the process. We provide intelligent assistance to people that need to build a job description and hire freelancers. So we're using technology to automate it, make it efficient, make sure that we've found all the best candidates for things. But at the end of the day, because we're human, it's just better to have a human interaction to to make a good match because you need that human interaction and that chemistry to help you really utilize a freelancer effectively. Great. I love love that. And that's a new book on our list of books. So thank you. What's a good tool that you use in your business that you might recommend? So probably my favorite tool is a mind map. And I happen to be familiar with one that's offered by MindJet. But I know there's there's plenty out there. But you know, I basically, I don't want to say run my life in a bureaucratic way, but I organize my life, whether it's who I have to send birthday cards to or what my schedule is for the week or Frankly, I designed my entire technology platform using it because I was okay. able to kind of um, think about, it's like flow charts in a way. You know, basically I was able to like 
I mean, I'm a fairly organized thinker, you know, and I, I would just kind of list out, all right, what are all the components to my platform or what are, I'm doing a mailing campaign or something, you know, out there, or I'm thinking about my interview or my podcast with Jess, you know, what are the things I want to be thinking about? And I just yeah. use Mind Map to capture all that. And what's cool about Mind Map is it's not static. So you can move the, the I'll call them bubbles or, you know, the yeah. little word phrases yeah. around. So you're constantly able to kind of reorganize your thinking about things. So I don't know if that does a great job of describing it, but it's really, mm-hmm. really useful tool that I think yeah. can, it can be, in a, and you can out export these mind maps to Word documents, PowerPoint, to spreadsheets, to project management software. So I, you know, I just think it's a great tool. Well, I use them when I'm launching a product. I'll have that core product or core brand or whatever. And then I start breaking it out into, okay, well, what can I do? How can I, if this is the core, okay, how can I then take that core and use it for bits and pieces and parts? And how can you turn that into to monetization and everything else? Yeah, exactly right. Huge, huge fan. That's that's a new tool, though. I hadn't seen that one before. Yeah. So I had to, I was just quickly downloading it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. I, I'm a, yeah. I, well, usually I have whiteboards all over my office where I've got all these written out on the whiteboards, but uh, it's nice to have them electronic too. Yeah, for sure. Well, fantastic. Last question. What is your definition of freedom? <sighs> you know, this, I'm afraid this is going to sound like really Pollyanna-ish, but I want financial freedom, you know, okay. and I want, I mean, basically the wherewithal to do what I want to do, you know, and, and not be kind of locked into a, a schedule of corporate priorities, things like that. I, I love right. the freedom of having my own business, but I also accept that freedom comes with responsibility. Yeah. And the only reason I have freedom is because I work hard at my business and I work hard at serving people. And so freedom comes with responsibility. But I, I want basically the freedom to continue to help people do I mean, I as I said before, to I like to empower the purpose of others. That gives right. great meaning to me in life. And and so I would say that I want the freedom to keep doing that, whether it's volunteering, you know, teaching entrepreneurship, you know, or or working with my clients, you know, both the the clients that hire through us as well as the freelancers that freelance through us. I mean, it's yeah. really meaningful. Awesome. Great answer. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on today. It was, yeah, you came as as advertised so after our first conversation. And thank you for sharing with the audience. I mean, I, I think people that are interested in freelancing got something out of this. And I think people have painted themselves into a corner like I used to be. It's nice to have that person that can come rescue you out of the corner at times when you've got that. So, Thank you for sharing that with our audience. Oh, my pleasure. It was really fun, just like the first time we met. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, folks, thank you for joining us once again. We do these twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays for you. So you get to meet all kinds of cool folks like Elizabeth and learn from them and their journeys that they've been on. Make sure wherever you're at that you're hitting that the subscription button. Make sure that you are sharing with us your thoughts and giving us that little up up vote or uh, or five-star vote when it comes to that. So thanks a lot, and we will see you guys back here the very next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 